0: This is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Kevin of the band Valley Heart over Zoom video. Kevin was born just outside of Queens in New York. He lived there till he was about nine years old, and then moved to Boston. He got into music kind of later in his life when his friend brought him a Metallica CD. And from there, he wanted to learn how to play guitar. He wanted to learn how to shred these Metallica riffs. He eventually started writing music. He talked about a hardcore band he was in in high school that would even tour the whole country. After high school, he started a solo project, which then became what is now Valley Heart. We talk about the first couple records Valley Heart released where they were when COVID hit and how that affected this new record, Heal My Head, and their recent signing with Tooth & Nail Records. You can watch our interview with Kevin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringin' It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringin' Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well. And hook us up with a five-star review.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with Valley Heart. All right. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for doing this. How are you? Absolutely. I'm doing great as well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, My name is Adam, and this is about you, uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about the new record coming out uh, at the beginning of next month. Awesome. Uh, great meeting you. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Sweet. Perfect. Awesome. 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 Uh, so this, like I said, this is about you. Uh, so first off, we always ask, where were you born and raised? Ooh, born and raised. Um, I was born in
1: New Rochelle, New York, around Queens, Astoria. I grew up there until I was about nine. And then I moved to uh, Winthrop, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. And it's where I've been in the Boston area since uh, around nine or ten. and okay. I moved to Montreal, Canada last year. So, wow. You're in Canada
0: now? I'm in Canada now. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. How about yourself? I'm in Nashville now, but I'm originally from Southern California, from San Diego. And then I moved to Tennessee, uh, like a little, like a year and a couple months ago. Okay. Cool. Fresh to the, fresh to the South ish. Yeah. I love it here, man. It's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. cool. Um, Brad, well, so, well, I guess before we get to your Boston experience, what was it like growing up outside of Queens in New York? I mean, nine, you probably have a little bit of memories from there.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. We grew up in a neighborhood called Jackson Heights. And I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood. I have no siblings. I'm an only child, but my, okay. my parents, um, yeah, good memories. Uh, I still feel connected to New York in a weird way, even though I was so young when I lived there. Every time I go back, which isn't too often, there's a sense of, oh, wow, I was born here and had the first sort of decade of my life here. Sure. Uh, so yeah, there's, it's changed a lot, obviously, as, as a lot of cities have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of new businesses and just all sorts of things going on there, but it's always sort of nostalgic to go back and, and reminisce on those times.
0: That's cool. And what about
1: music in your household? Is that a big thing or family musical at all? Not at all, man. Yeah, I'm sort of the black sheep with, when it comes to music. Um, <laughs> I was super into baseball and like my fam, my dad's side was like big sports, like baseball. Like daughters sure. baseball player was like super into the New York Mets. And you know, the music thing kind of came out of nowhere. In seventh grade, I um uh, my my friend showed me a Metallica song.
0: okay.
1: <laughs> like, dude, you gotta check this out. And uh and I remember watching the solo to one of their songs and I was like, Whoa, like I wanna do that. And you know, always always like and loved the music, but I grew up in like a pretty uh, Christian household where like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff I was listening to is like Christian music and mm-hmm. didn't really branch out of that till like middle school, high school. Um, so sort of, yeah, found a lot of it on my own and, and uh, not a lot of sort of roots with like musicianship or even like parents being into records, or anything like that. It was kind of just through friends and friend group and then eventually playing, um, touring and just learning about music that way yeah
0: okay cool you talked about baseball Was that something that you did through middle school and high school or yeah literally
1: literally into middle school and then there was actually a summer i think it was eighth grade or ninth grade where i was i had started getting into music and there was sort of this overlap and affinities as you do have as a child right and you're like oh okay i want to i'm baseball like that's it like tunnel vision and then started getting into music and it stopped practicing stuff really showing up to like the practice you know the optional practices and just right guitar and guitar and then eventually writing songs and then from there i remember there was a there was a day i was just sitting in the dugout and i was like i don't think i want to do this anymore i just want to I just want to do i just want to play music i want to be yeah. To yeah
0: that so. must have been a pretty difficult day though i mean i remember as a kid quitting baseball like it was a big i didn't play in like that long but i mean it was like yeah. to like go to your family and be like, you know what? I, I really, especially uh, the, the amount of time you invested in it to be like, you know what? I, you know, I don't really want to continue doing this. Was that a, a difficult conversation to have? I think it wasn't difficult, but it was definitely interesting. Cause again, I kind of lived
1: my, as my dad would say, now I was living, eating and breathing baseball. Like I was your kid that like knew your facts and like Cal Ripken Jr. was on the Orioles from this year to this year. Mm, okay. Like I, I had the baseball card. So I was obsessed and kind of found myself in those obsessive tropes as a kid of just really getting into certain stuff. So I think my parents were just, my dad specifically was like, okay, like it's more of like the music thing will be a phase, right? And, and one that maybe you'll grow out of. And I had my scent with skateboarding as well and sort of grew mm-hmm. out of that. And, and music just kind of stuck in a way that it never <laughs> left my purview. So
0: Sure. I feel like it was I've, hard,
1: but it was, it was sort of like, cool. Like it stuck around. So
0: yeah. Fun. Was it something that you became like, you moved that obsession over to music? It's like, I got to learn everything about this. I want to know all Absolutely. about this. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I sort of have still to this day, that sort of obsessive nature about
1: learning about new things, whether now it's like photography, um, that I've kind of picked up during the last couple of years or like, learning a new language where I started trying to learn French seriously the last couple of years. So I'd sort of get in that mode of like something new and like really committing to like learning
0: as much as I can about it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I I feel like we're similar in that way, but I would just like, not in that, like where I'll progressively move on, but it was like uh, skateboarding for me. Like I knew all the guys all the teams that people skated for, what companies, all these guys rode for like all the same thing. And it was when it came to music, I don't play music, but I just became obsessed with the, I tried them. Not good, and I could realize that very early on. But I would like pick up facts. Like I'd remember, like oh, so and so was on this record. I'd like nerd out on like the you know yeah. the liner notes and stuff. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun.
1: It's fun, and it gives you an endpoint to information, right? Where it's like you now have an industry or a field that you can throw yourself into and learn about, and learn about the players and the history and. I loved history as a kid. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. Just like learning about how things turned out the way they were and why, and what was, you know, what preceded that. And mm-hmm. really interesting to see how
0: that all that stuff plays out. Sure. So yeah. with that Metallica, what was the, first of all, what Metallica song was it? It was, uh, one, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, It was
1: one. Um, yeah. Metallica was like one of the first bands I like really got into That you know, which is funny. Not that I, they still do their thing, but, I don't really listen to that style of music or stuff anymore. Right? But yeah, I fucked pretty hard with Metallica.
0: Okay, so it was one, and then did you get a guitar pretty quickly after that? I mean, it sounds like you like were watching the guitar solo and being like, "Whoa, yeah, like, I want to be the guitar! I want to be a guitar player."
1: Well, it's funny because of that sort of phase nature that I was talking about with being into skateboarding and into mm-hmm. sports, and then this and that. When I brought up the idea of buying a guitar to my parents, they were kind of apprehensive. Because they were thinking, oh, we're going to drop all this money on an amp and a guitar and lessons <laughs> and all this stuff. And they were like, you know what, Kev? I don't know. We're going to we can't just give you a guitar. I mean, we didn't grow up super wealthy. So it wasn't like I could just ask for a guitar and it was there. It was like we mm-hmm. had to give up and all that stuff. Um, so I actually to, to prove to them that I was committed, I remember I, used, I would cut out. I would watch these videos on Comcast music video on demand. That was like a season of life where like Comcast would do these like <laughs> music videos. And I would watch these videos, watch the guitar solos and watch these like online lessons on my Uh TV. And I would cut out these um, paper cutouts of like a fretboard. I'd literally cut like a long fretboard and tape pieces together and drew six strings on there and started like learning chords on the actual paper before I got the guitar just so I could like get a head start. If I got a guitar, I could show that I was like, "No, no, no, I'm like, I'm serious. I'm interested. Um, so I did that for a while, and my parents like, okay, I think we're gonna have to get him a guitar (laughs) for Christmas. Wow,
0: that's cool. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of anyone doing that. Did it help at all? Like when you got the guitar, or was it like, oh wow, I gotta push these strings down, my fingers hurt. And yeah, no, I mean it helped (laughs) in the sense where I think it showed my motivation
1: and showed that I was into it. But logistically speaking, I don't think there was any benefit to it. I will say I think I realized two months into getting my guitar that my guitar had been out of tune the whole time. Like I didn't <laughs> know what tuning was like sort of missed that episode. <laughs> right. Right. Where I was like, like, I don't
0: need, th- what's this guy got this machine yeah, for? Weird. I was like, I, finger things right,
1: I don't know. This sounds, this sounds weird. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, but it, it's, it all worked out somehow.
0: <laughs> sure. Okay. So when you finally get the c- guitar and you you know realize that baseball isn't something you want to continue with, were you writing songs at this point? Like, how quickly did you try to write your own music, or were you learning covers right away, or h- how did you kind of start? I was
1: mostly seventh grade, eighth grade, just learning covers, into like a lot of metal stuff,
0: into System of a Down, Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you were learning to play these metal songs on guitar. Yeah. Oh, yeah! Wow! Because exactly. pretty- the band doesn't sound <laughs> like that. No, no,
1: not at all, not at all. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing about it. it I loved that stuff, and that what that's what got me into guitar altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't even like songwriting, or I bought an acoustic way later. I had an electric. I had an Ibanez sort of. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was it was very. I still have crunchy. <laughs> very crunchy. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that. And started writing songs in high school um, for my girlfriend at the time. And sort of that morphed into writing songs about life and love and loss. And, and then through that, I mean, I just started listening to more music and and broadening, you know, the palette, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it started off as like, cool, I'm going to learn a metal song and like learn the solo, learn this riff. Like it was lots of riffs. It was just riffs, okay. agios, and, and, uh, that sort of morphed into, I played in like a Christian metalcore band in high school too.
0: Okay.
1: Like, you know, you're, you're sort of heavier stuff too. So there's definitely a background in like heavy music, but.
0: Well, that was a p- whole scene for a long time. I mean, oh, yeah. maybe it still is ish, but like, I mean, there was a bunch of huge bands that were coming out that were like, you know, in that same, yeah. I mean, you guys are signed to, to to the nail, which was kind of like the pinnacle of all of that in the beginning, yeah. which Absolutely. is huge. But I, I mean, it's, that must be a trip for you to even be on that label, I would think, if it you're is. into some of those bands.
1: It is. We were heavily into those bands. Later, after middle school, there was like the high school years where it started getting into under oath and like mm-hmm. more like post hardcore stuff. Um, and yeah, Tooth Nail was Ale was, uh, was very, very involved in that sort of whole process, um, integrally. So yeah, it's definitely a trip and it's very full circle and it's really cool to see them sort of growing and moving on and how we're a part of that with sort of their n- new um endeavors. So it's been really, really cool.
0: Yeah, it's really cool to see that, that label grow and do what it's doing. Uh a good friend of mine and actually my neighbor, uh he he works for them. We I am curious if you know I'll talk to you about him after. But okay. uh yeah, yeah. He works for Tooth and Nail. And mainly on the uh the go- the gospel side of the the label. Tyson. The B E C. Yeah, but um yeah. Anyway. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 oh, no, okay. no, 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 <laughs> Um, it doesn't even matter. I've brought them up on this show before, but, um, anyway, it's so, so you're in this Christian hardcore band and then when, like, how, was that something that you did through high school? And then what about when college comes around? Are you, do you go to school for music or do you go to school and like, how does your musical, yeah. you know, life kind of evolve from there?
1: Um, did through all throughout high school, did the, the touring thing with those guys
0: oh you toured in high school
1: yeah with that metal core band i mean we went pretty hard we we thought we were going to be the next under oath for sure okay um and sort of gave our all in in that era of life and glad we did i mean we met so, so many of the people i still talk to today around the united states i mean i met in like high school touring with with that band
0: that's um, crazy like how big of a tour were you guys doing
1: they were some, they were out to like Texas and back from Massachusetts. They were like month long tour. We would just, our summer vacations would be just touring.
0: Wow. And your parents were supporting were of this. That's them. so awesome. And I
1: think it was through the guise of your, you're like using your band to like bring Jesus to people.
0: No, no, sure. Yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. So that there was that extra layer of justification of like, okay, we, we get it. um, Which was cool. Uh, But very, very interesting to think about the level of like trust and, and sort of experiences we had at such a young age, but, but yeah, it was cool. I mean, still think back on some of those memories, very fondly in those guys. Um, But yeah, moved on from that. Uh, Didn't go to, so I almost went to Berkeley. Okay got in was ready to go for and guitar
0: or what were you going for,
1: for? Guitar, yeah for guitar and I just had this moment of freaking out about like the price of student loans and like what I was trying to accomplish and like do I need this and I had this like moment where I was like you know what I don't think I'm gonna do it so I actually didn't end up going um and sort of just went straight into the music world workforce um etc so yeah, I didn't do anything from college, but just kept doing music, kept writing. And then at that point, I started writing more solo music. Um, and that project eventually became what Valley Heart was, who had a lot of the members from that old band from the solo project it sort of morphed into this like rock band that like cool, sort of leveled out into like an in-between of like all the influences that we had been loving of more like rock, heavier stuff, and also more singer, songwriter, folk, um, sort of blending all those elements. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely where Valley Heart was born from
0: amazing well with that uh the band from high school what was your role the guitar were you the guitar player the
1: Guitar in the clean vocalist
0: oh okay so you yeah, do okay. have a clean vocals i was wondering yeah. if it was like heavy because obviously your your band now you're not really i mean there's a little bit of it but not so much especially in the two new songs that i've heard sure. um okay so you did sing yeah, sing did, and when did I you realize did. that you could sing i mean you have a great voice
1: thank you it was pretty later it was just primarily a guitarist for a long time and in that band I was just singing sort of background harmonies and then I started getting more confident in my voice and my songwriting and those kind of paralleled. and started writing more songs and singing more and it turned into oh Kevin can sing and sort of that shift happening it's a weird shift where you're like oh I I do this now you know (laughs) right right Um, it's like it's like almost like the language thing too it's like, oh, I speak this language now. It's like, when do you say that? Because it's always a learning process. And I still feel like I'm learning about my voice and mm-hmm. and trying to ameliorate my tone and all that stuff. So but at some point I was like, oh, I I'm gonna do this. I can do this, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you just writing like so once you decided to defer from going to Berkeley, uh, and you were like, I'm just gonna do this music thing myself, like were you Like, how did you never, was it just like, I'm going to start writing songs, as a singer songwriter did that band eventually like dissolve and like, how did you end up becoming more doing more of the solo stuff, which ended up becoming now Valley heart?
1: Yeah, I think there did the solo thing and and I still have some, some solo music in the works um, Mm -hmm. for a different project. But at that time it was very full band sounding solo music that. I think at one point with the guys we were playing with, we were like, I think this feels more like a band. So let's transition it to that space. And that project kind of took a pause for a while and just sort of naturally morphed into, to Valley heart stuff in 2016, which is when we started the band.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and yeah, still write songs for, for the solo stuff, but haven't really been focusing on that since Valley heart has been the priority. Um, so yeah, they kind of they're kind of parallel projects, but it, it's always been like a weird uh, or a sort of a unique focus of, of which one we're gonna focus on now or later.
0: Sure, sure. Was there like what was what would you say like uh, a validating or like a big milestone moment was either prior to Valley Heart starting or right when you guys started that conti- like kept you moving forward? It, like once you finish high school and you're like, okay, I'm gonna start doing this singer songwriter thing and there were more full band thing. Like, yeah. was there moments that kept you going forward or I'm sure there had to be like peaks and valleys of where you like, at one point you're like, Ugh, like, is this worth continuing or.
1: Oh yeah. Till this day, man. Um, absolutely. I feel like that is the journey of music for a lot of people, you know, in, and, and the journey of, of just doing any creative endeavor of mm-hmm. there are moments where, there are these highs and sometimes the highs aren't like you sold X amount of records. It's the highs right. or someone messaging you saying, Hey, your song helped change my life. Or it was like a soundtrack for the summer 2019 or like it was played at my, you know, my spouse and I's wedding. Like these moments are like, wow, like this piece of art that we made is like helping or impacting or adding and inspiring people's lives. And I think that till this day is what's kept me going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's, there's definitely valleys of, of it being hard just to do sometimes and logistically to keep going. And um, but I think as long as we're growing and still finding people to have those conversations with and writing honest music that connect with people, that has sort of been the fuel to the machine that is pursuing music for me always. Okay. Um, Yeah. It was just still writing music that people seem to connect to in that way um which is kind of always the driving force just maybe mm-hmm. through different mediums through different genres in the last 10 to 15 years but that is definitely at the heart of what music i write
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think it was an interview with your i read something or a quote of yours or you talked about like success and what that meant and it was like you've like kind of what you just said as far as like record sales or whatever goes it was like being able to do this like just this right like doing this as your your you're able to like live and play music
1: yeah yeah and that's some it's i don't know how it happens it's still a miracle to me but um, the fact that it's it's happening is really cool but yeah not to romanticize it there's oh, there's often these valleys of should you like this is a lot like this is a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of risk so it's it's a balance that i think a lot of musicians go through and i try to talk about it as much as I can because I think mm-hmm. it's easy for people to look I, I mean I do this with people right where you look at what someone else has got going on and you're like wow like they they're on the rise like they got it down you know whether it's through music or life or relationships but I find that when you sit down with people and and you talk to them everyone's like yeah like it's great but there are moments where it's hard and there are moments where you're doubting if this is the path or you're, mm-hmm. you're having a tough week or a tough day Um. so yeah that has definitely been the experience but all in all, it still sort of propels me to move forward.
0: I love it. Um, So once the band go, or once you start Valley Heart, then obviously you're signed to Tooth and Nail. Was that something that happened later down the line? Like what was the first, like once the band's going, like how does the band really get off the ground? Are you touring again right away? It sounds, I mean, since you had that experience, do you guys go to the studio and record something? Like how do you, you know, initially start, the band.
1: Yeah. In 2016, we wrote an EP and we recorded it and started just playing locally. Um, and then through that, I think developed the small following of people who were into us locally, but also regionally through streaming and people finding us online. Um, and then that got re-released the following year in 2017 um, with two new songs. And that was the Nowadays EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, just... Kept wrote our first full length record and then recorded that in 2018 and then also put that out in 2018 and then I feel like that record is really what put us in sort of people's purview of that. I I don't know. Just I feel like everyone shits on albums a lot nowadays and like the importance of albums and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. My my personal experience has been when I whenever we've put out an album, which is for this project just once, but I've done it with my old band. There seems to be that really seems to propel a lot of artists forward in the long run, maybe not right away. Cause it's like a lot of music and maybe like a single blowing up feels like a bigger thing, but I feel like an album produces or introduces an opportunity for people to really sort of like, Oh, I get what's going on here. Like I see the parallels, I see the story they're trying to tell. There's just more of the identity of that artist there. So I feel like after that first record, people were like, oh, wow. Like, OK, I, I sort of understand what Heart is um, and sort of slowly but surely started seeing people get into that album and being interested in what we were doing. Um, and I don't know, that record seemed to really connect with people in a unique way, especially about concepts of faith. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the big thing that, that definitely helped keep it moving along. Uh-huh. Um, and then we released an EP last year. And again, the EP was great. Um, but we're really excited to release this second record. About oh. in a yeah. little bit, because I feel like it's a continuation of that story from the first record, and I think it's going to be really exciting to see how it how it uh, intersects with people's lives.
0: I love it. It's interesting that you said I haven't heard that perspective, but it makes sense with an album being more of like connecting with the band and really understanding what the band's about. Because it's, you're you're right on when it comes to having a song that streams well or a song that blows up on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, especially in nowadays, I mean, in the current you know industry, I would think like if you had a song that you put out and it got five million streams in the first two weeks, that would be great, right? Like people are gonna yeah. be like, oh, blah 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 blah. But then it's like, now what? Like you're not like if you have a record that people like, you have two hundred thousand people that are like, wow, this whole album's incredible, and they're willing to spend. 15 20 bucks to go see you now because they have they know more than just the one single that you have out like that's such a better position to be in and i think you have more of a connection with people there is like just because you have a huge single doesn't mean that you're going to go out and play you know a a ten thousand seat venue just because you've sold one you have one song that people know
1: absolutely and i've had friends who've had songs blow up on playlists and stuff like that and you know they couldn't even sell 50 tickets in their hometown you know it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird doesn't map add up uh don't get me wrong it's super cool and i'm not one of those guys that's like oh yeah like we got to get away from that and like songs blowing up on tiktok it's like dude that's great and like that provides a lot of joy for people's lives and like that's super cool i just feel like for us the journey that we're on like what i'm trying to do is maybe just like a slower cook and um just a just Sort of digging those roots a little deeper and hope, hoping fingers crossed that it'll pay off
0: <laughs> no for sure no and I, i'm not trying to, to to downplay people's songs blowing up on tiktok or whatever oh, yeah, but yeah sure. it's just like i feel like for longevity you'd probably rather be in the position of i have this album maybe i have a you know a third of the streams that maybe one person's one song has but i know that these are people that have invested in my band are willing to show up. I, I, you know, I, I can see physical people that are connecting with the record. I mean, I'm sure that's just has to be such a yeah. different, you know, feeling.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And very thankful to have these experiences still. And to no matter, no matter what scale, right. Cause you're always like, well, could be more of those people but it's like well at what point is it enough you know so that's a constant thing where it's like probably
0: never right I, right? Mean, I, I mean yeah even that's your, the scary even your
1: huge artist that blows up are still like Dua Lipa you know what I mean there's yeah, someone yeah. that has two-thirds more than you technically unless you're like you know Justin Bieber or something so I don't know it's the idea of scalability and contentment and how those two things relate has been something I've just thought about for so long because you're like cool like this blows up to like a point that a rock band can blow up. What does that mean? Am I like all of a sudden happy and content with the things I have in life? Probably not. Like there'll probably be something new if I'm not having my contentment under control and like rooted in the right things. That's not going to just get fixed when something like happens, you know? Right. Um, So I, I try to think about that stuff. I always, I don't all the time feel like I have it down, but it's something I definitely try to keep into perspective as, as we put out music and just live life.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's like, you obviously don't want to be, you're not going to take these things for granted or like, but you always want to still look forward because it's like, you're not going to stay stagnant. Like, okay. You know, I'm comfortable with the fact that I put out this one record and it did great. Like as a creative person, you've got to always be looking like, okay, well now what am I going to do? What can I do next? Like I want to even it doesn't even have to come down to the numbers and the people, but it's like, it's always, For yourself, I'm sure it's like, I want to write a better record than this past record, or I'm going to work on something cool. Yeah.
1: And, And that parallels a big thing of life, just the dichotomy of contentment and change where there's this constant struggle of, all right, I need to be content with what I've done, what I've made, who I am, the choices I've made, but also live in a space where I want to get better and improve and grow. But I find when I'm too much on that other side, I'm like, I just need to grow. Like I find myself forgetting to be grateful for the things. But then sometimes you can get sort of stagnant, like you said. So it's this constant balance of accepting the things you can't control, but then also realizing like, oh, there's still some fire in me to like to grow and to make something new and to maybe achieve some things, you know?
0: Yeah, no, totally. totally makes sense. Um, When did you guys uh, start the conversation with Tooth & Nail? Was that pretty early on? Like, did they put out nowadays? Is that why you said they... You re-released no, the record with two additional songs, so that's just something no, you guys was chose to do. That was a different label. Um, oh, okay, sorry. Tooth and nail. Uh,
1: more recently, yeah, this is actually our first release with them.
0: Oh wow! Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is pretty. This is all new. This is feeling fresh. It's feeling good. Um, we started chatting a long time ago, just because these conversations take so much time. By the time you sort of solidify things, um, but they reached out, I think, in 2019 or 18. Uh, and we talked for a long time and talked about Based off for of
0: the success of that, that, that first album.
1: I think so. Yeah. I, I would assume that that's what sort of got our record on their desk, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I believe so. Uh, and then from there, yeah, we just started writing and, and so this next album heal my head will be the first thing we released with them. And, uh, it's really cool. They've been nothing but awesome so far and just supportive and really cool.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So where were you guys in 2020 when the pandemic hit? Like you had that record out. Were you able to tour it enough? I mean, 2018. You, and then you're in a conversation. The conversation starts with tooth and nail. And then it's like the world comes collapsing. And then yeah. where were you as far as where this records writing process was? Right, right. Yeah. Like tell me where you were. That.
1: Funny thing about that first record that we put out, everyone I've ever loved it was put out in the middle of December 2018. Like album of the year list had been done the label we were on uh they not to like shit on them or anything but it was sort of a situation where they just kind of were like we're gonna just put it out and it was sort of happenstance and sort of just like oh yeah like we'll just put it out and there was no press there was like (laughs) just nothing like just not a good release cycle like nothing Mm -hmm. planned um And they were just kind of like, yeah, like it didn't really do anything. And I was like, okay. And I wanted to print vinyl because people started slowly, like through the course of 2019, people started getting into it, but it wasn't, it was your perfect situation of it wasn't like a big hit at first. And then like people got into it. It was this like thing that came out very quietly. And then just through time, it started spreading. I just saw people talking about it. And, and, and then we figured out a way to be able to make vinyl ourselves for it. And I was going to say,
0: I think you, I've seen yeah. photos on your Instagram where you have like a white vinyl yeah. of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the label was like, Hey, we don't, we don't think it'll sell. And I was like, I think it will. Um, <laughs> but I was like, Hey, that's fine. You don't have to do it, but can we do it? And they're like, Yeah. So it worked out. I mean, we're on our, we've just sold out our second pressing. Um, it's huge, which is great, which has been really cool to see like, wow, like, people are into it and you know yeah it goes to show that you just do what feels true to your heart and as cheesy as that sounds like it will reach the people that it needs to reach and you will find your people mm-hmm. um, so that came out and didn't do much touring did, did a couple tours did some east coast stuff some midwest stuff and then late 2019 into 2020 we had put we were writing that ep but that was kind of a weird time where we were in some transitions of members And it was kind of a good time to figure out what we were going to do. Um, but then into early 2020 we had our band set again and started writing and right when the pandemic hit, it was like, well, I guess we're, we're we're really writing. There's no choice here. (laughs) Right. 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 So, yeah, I mean, this album is definitely as a lot of albums are coming out from various artists. Now, um, a pandemic record that we wrote all of 2020 into 2021 and recorded this time last year, 2021. Um, so yeah, a lot of it came from that time of, I mean, I remember having practices in early 2020 where we didn't even touch each other. Right. We were just in rooms, all distant masks on, like, you know, we were all sort of pretty distant, but excuse me. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of the writing in 2020,
0: 2021. Okay. I mean, you, you talked about how this record is kind of the next chap. is in the next chapter or kind of the, the, the next part of the story from uh, the, the first album, like in that sense, like what, like, can you, kind of talked about that a little bit
1: yeah absolutely um the first album everyone I've ever loved really resonated with people that grew up in the church Mm -hmm. because a lot of those songs were about experiences I had growing up in evangelical Christianity um growing up with sort of that background and faith and and the identity that comes with that um being really really rooted in that and you know, it's funny. A lot of people now seem to be like, oh, like that is there's this word deconstruction that's like going around It's like sort of a buzzword right now. And mm-hmm. um, like, oh, this this album was written for like a deconstruction anthem or something like that, where, you know, at the time it was just writing about what I was going through and no intention to write a, a church album or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, it's it's one of those cool things that happens with records or any form of art, I think, where like you have an intention in making it, you have a vision, you do it. And then you take a step back or like time passes and you're like looking at it, like hanging on the wall and you're like, Oh, like, that's what that is. Like, I didn't really see that when I was making it, but like now I really see what it is, you know?
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, So there was this like, Oh wow. Like this album is about identity and it is about your formative experiences and how there comes a point usually in your early twenties or mid twenties, where you are faced with the choice to what do you keep from that? And what do you challenge? And Mm -hmm. And that dissonance of the space between those two things can be really hard and can drive you into some pretty dark places, Um, whether it's in Christianity or in Buddhism or whether it's in fundamentalism or any sort of set of beliefs that you're sort of instilled as a young person. Um, So this next album, although it is not about evangelical Christianity, is still about identity and it is still about understanding our place in the universe and how it's still a guess and it's still something that we're all living with. We're all living our lives and we're doing our things. Um, but there is the weight of all these questions we have about our formative experiences, the stuff we go through now, the griefs, the losses, the joys that we have in our life. And this album still sort of, when you walk away from that thing altogether that you grew up with, where do you land? And I don't think this album is saying I land anywhere, but it is still exploring the idea of where do you put your hope into?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And with, with that, like, I mean, do you feel as if having a lot of time on your hands to like kind of reflect on, you know, your, you know, the past album. And then like, I mean, I'm, I'm saying time on your hands with uh, the pandemic, you know, shutting down the world yeah. and it's like, there's no real like time, stamp on like we got to get this record out in six months because of the label and we got a tour to support blah 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 like i mean do you feel like you had more time to kind of sit with those ideas and then was it like hard to be vulnerable with the record or you know when it came to, to that piece was that difficult for you
1: absolutely i mean yeah it was one of the main motifs on the record is the concept of time and how it can get warpy and loopy and spooky when you are going through certain situations and time can feel long or time can feel short and life could feel like it's moving fast or it could feel like it's moving slow. Um, So to write about that when we had this sort of time of of just pause was really interesting. And I think for a lot of us, it caused a lot of self-reflection and sort of dealing and uprooting things that we were sort of used busyness, right. As like a drug, Mm -hmm to like distract us and there was just things you had to face and definitely experienced that personally. And a lot of the songs on this record are about uprooting those things. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a ex- crazy experience to be able to do that during the pandemic as suppose for a lot of people. And, and I think the idea of time and having too much of it or not enough for the, the feeling of how we spend our time and, the anxiety around it and and all this stuff is, is definitely sort of the bedrock of what this record is about. And, mm-hmm. and one of the lyrics that kind of comes up again and again on the record is take all the time that you want, um, which happens in a few songs and wanted to sort of, yeah, introduce the idea of feeling like time is short, life is short, but also if you live in the prison of that idea, you can feel claustrophobic walking through this life that requires you to maybe think, okay, I need to let myself grow and breathe and give time, you know, just mm-hmm. to remind people like we have time yet. It is at the same, in the same hand, it is very fleeting.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure. Was there a particular song on the record that was like really, you know, kind of difficult to address the subject matter or like, you know, like once you got out the, the lyrics or whatever the song, are you like, you know, like I'm so happy that that's finally like a weight lifted off me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There are two songs in particular, but one of them is called warning signs. Um, It's the eighth track on the album. Okay. Uh, And it is uh, stuff I was going through during the pandemic and a little bit before some just that stuff we were talking about of Mm -hmm. of shame and, and all those heavy emotions that you could go through your life sort of living and not really opening those, those doors or boxes, Mm -hmm. but having to do it during the pandemic Um, and warning signs was about sort of navigating that process of opening up those things. But at the same time, having like a partner, like being in a relationship Mm -hmm. and how there's a temptation to not be vulnerable and to sort of think I'm better off dealing with this on my own. Like this is, this is a mess. I don't want to drag anyone else into this situation, um, and that song was just about how do I love someone when I am figuring out I haven't fully been able to love and forgive myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to, to write that one um, from that perspective and, and, you know, I, I honestly like to be very candid, I was like, I was struggling with like suicide stuff and, mm-hmm. and never had never had been in that place and like had a new level of understanding of of one night of writing that song and being in that really dark place. Um, so to write that song every time I hear it, even though it's one of the brightest sort of songs on the album, it's like sort of poppy, um, definitely has the darkest. It reminds me of a very dark place, but it also encourages me of like, wow, I got out of that. And there was a, there's a line on that song that says, but this won't be the end to my truth at the edge of my mind on the noose. Um, and I know this is all very heavy
0: stuff. And I apologize. no, 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 no. Don't apologize. Yeah, Cause yeah. this is, wow. I mean, like personally, I relate to this, this, mm. like, like on a very real level. Like, I mean, hearing you say that it's like for me to listen to you say that it's like, Oh, well, at least I'm not alone in that situation. Like I have the same thing, you know, you carry all this shame and this guilt. And it's like, if I can't love myself, like how am I supposed to, you know, bring on my wife and my kids and like all this stuff. And it's like, you're trying to do this balancing act. And the fact that like, I mean, that last line you just recited me. I'm like, Whoa, like that's so powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that song was. It was sort of letting out all those questions and, but at the same time, this proclamation that I'm going to just keep fighting, fighting for that person, fighting for vulnerability, although I'll how hard it is. And I think that's a big theme on the record, too. And in the song Vampire Smile as well, which is the fifth song that also talks about vulnerability and sort of showing your mistakes and like, accept. the big thing is about accepting that guilt and shame and and, and forgiving yourself for it and learning from it and moving on from those patterns Um and how it relates in relationships to yourself and to others so mm-hmm. yeah that those two but specifically warning signs the eight song that one felt like whenever i listen back it feels like a moment in time that was really put onto the page and um really emotionally charged there
0: yeah mm-hmm. well i mean dude thank you so much for sharing that like like i said like it's it is something it's interesting because my therapist has told me a bunch of times like if so-and-so did this to you, like, wouldn't, would you care? Like, would you be thinking about it later or would you just apo- yeah. like accept their apology and move on? I'm like, well, yeah, just accept their apology and move on. They're like, well, why can't you <laughs> you do that for anything about yourself? Like why, when you yeah. do something, you just beat yourself up and you can't like let it like just forgive yourself and go on. And it's like, I don't know. I can't, it, it, it just gets you thinking about right. those.
1: Right. Absolutely. Those and I started therapy in 2019 as well and have maintained. So my therapist is, said the exact same thing and it's true and I think it has to do with us being the main character all in our own lives right mm-hmm. it's, you know in, in a movie if the main character goes through a situation or like one of the extras happens in the background you're like oh you're you know okay but there's something about that sort of main character syndrome which not that shame is rooted in narcissism but I think there's a relationship between once you realize like hey we're all in this together We've, we all have a level of, of darkness we have to deal with at some point um, I can't hold myself to that standard merely because no, if everyone held themselves self to themselves, that standard, no one would move on. Like we wouldn't have a, a functioning society, you know, but we just need to be vulnerable about these things and talk about them. And this is why I love stuff like this. this is why I feel less alone when I'm able to talk about it, whether it's through music. And that was a big goal for this album was just to be able to talk about places like that and that, Hey, like you're not alone in that, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, yeah, the biggest thing people are going to resonate with, especially like hearing that conversation or hearing you say that it's like, oh, well, oh, this person also feels like that. Like, okay, now I have some, like, you know, it makes, you know, you feel like you said, not alone. I think that's in the way that you, I mean, I haven't heard that song, but I've heard the two songs that you've released thus far off the record. And I was, and I love that you you know, back that with, well, if you hear the song, it's more like upbeat and like pop, like not poppy, but like, like it's a brighter sound. And I was singing that when you were talking about, I'm like, well, the, the, the numbers and, and uh, the most recent one, I've just blanked on your favorite jacket. uh, Like those are like brighter, like upbeat ish, you know, more upbeat songs. And I feel like that's kind of what you guys deliver on with, with your sound and your, in your style, but having that kind of undertoned dark. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of not masking it, but you're kind of wrapping it up nicely to present it in a way where it's like, I'm not going to be, you know, yeah, this is deep and dark and blah, blah, blah. But here is a way to digest it in this. Yeah. Definitely. You know, more melodic way.
1: (laughs) It's not a new tactic. People have done it, but I think it's a very effective one because I think what happens is for some people, for myself included, when you hand someone, such a heavy topic like that and then there's sort of like a dark slow like somber baritone like that's great but i think that just feels a little heavy for me sometimes and i'm not always in that mood and Mm -hmm. sometimes i am but i love i love to be able to be like oh this is a jam and then there's sort of an extra layer that if you if you really lean in you're like whoa like there's something this is not what i thought it was and i love that aspect in so many aspects of life where Mm -hmm. like oh there's more there's more depth to this person or this thing than i thought there was like i can enjoy it at face value but if i want to lean in there are these easter eggs or, or these connections or this depth that i can tap into and i think that just provides a contrast that's really unique that you can find in art that i find really really cool
0: no, I completely agree. There's not many bands that I can recall that are doing that as well as as you guys have, you know, proven yourselves. So like, I think Saves a Day does a pretty good job of being, but not in that same, you know, lane, but like, you know, just having those, like you listen to his lyrics, you're like, oh my gosh, he's talking about, you know, killing people or whatever, whatever he's saying. And you're like, but he's doing it in this, like so poppy, <laughs> presenting it in this way. But like, um, not that, like I said, I'm not comparing you and I'm not comparing your styles or your, even your subject matter, but it's just like having that similar, like, you know, yin yang type. Yeah. Presentation,
1: but it's like mixing, right? It's, it's like cooking. You're not going to overload something with, it's like balance. You got to find that balance to make something like each flavor pop. You don't want to like add too much of the same thing. So in that way, I think it's a nice balance of you know, salt and sweet kind of thing. Sure, sure. Well,
0: with the new record too, you recorded some of it at your house. Is that what I read? And you produced a lot of the record, mixed it. Like, uh, tell me about that. Is this the first time you've done this on an album, at least on your own project?
1: Yeah, so we, it was, the way we're saying it is it was co-produced by, co-produced, co-mixed and co-engineered by myself and Kevin Billingsley, who was our producer for the last record. Um, Everyone I've ever loved as well. And we love working with him. And he really does a great job in bringing out what the Valley Heart sound is and tightening things up and getting good takes out of us. So for last EP Scenery, I did a lot of. we did some tracking with him, but I did a lot of the mixing and production myself, Mm -hmm. um, which was a lot of fun and a great learning experience and uh, had a great time doing that. But for a whole record, I didn't want to, you know, take on that.
0: Response. Sure. <laughs> yeah. it, not it, only do you have to write it, sing it, record exactly. it, and then uh, do the felt, yeah, gotcha. Like
1: an impossible way that I was like, I'm right now I'm not in the headspace to, to do that without this falling apart. And I'd I'd seen bands do that like the whole production process themselves successfully. And I think there's so many bands that do that. Um, not so many. There are a few bands and they do it, they do it well. But I've also seen bands do it where they like break up because there's just,
0: yeah, you know, there's no one there's like playing. exhausted at that point. Yeah, You're like, oh, it's not
1: good. You can't point to this guy or this guy or this girl. You're like, oh, this is like everything is to us. Like, this sucks, you know? Um, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It didn't feel ready to do that completely, but I still loved a lot of the, the things found in mixing stuff yourself or like having that creative. Uh, involvement in the mixing process and the production process and all that stuff. So, Kev was super open to letting me sort of like hop on ship with him and and that stuff. And we found sounds together and and uh, so what the process was, we did a lot of the demos before recording the record at my house as I usually do. And some of the elements from the rec- from the demos made it onto even the final master, like wow. little piece of production stuff, even some like guitar stuff. Um, but then we went to with Kev and we cut the meat and bones, of the record, the, the drums, the bass, the main vocal, um, did a lot of the lead guitar there too. And then after that, we rented out a studio for about a week and a half where we did a lot of the auxiliary elements, um, there. And then anything we didn't finish up from there, I ended up doing in this room right here. Um, and did like a lot of some backing backing vocals, some key stuff, But I really love that process because I think when you're with Kev, he works out of like a legit studio and, you know, it's an expensive space and you're not there was moments where on our first record, we had nine days to record that whole thing. And, you know, part of me is like, I'd love to find this like weird feedback sound, run my guitar through a synth and run this through a pedal and then distort it on a tape. And I love doing that stuff. And I love finding production elements like that in places for records but if you have a limited amount of time at an expensive studio and you haven't (laughs) finished guitars or vocals there's Uh, no justification for you to be like let's spend six hours chasing this like you know piano sound
0: right like right that so might not even make the, <laughs> might make
1: the record right but i still find the importance to explore those things creatively so having that contrast was really cool we were like cool in this headspace we're going to like get the backbone of the record we're going to make sure everything is solid and then the time after in that record company studio that it's called the record company where we rented out the studio and then mm-hmm. stuff we did on our own in my house and you know other places there was that time to sort of explore little things creatively and little sounds and like did a bunch of weird feedback stuff. And, and it had this blend of experimentation, but commitment at the same time that is, is sort of hard to find that balance. So I think it worked out really, really cool. And, um, and then Kevin, and I remotely, we mixed a lot of the record. He would do like a main mix. And then we would hop on a call where he had an app that streamed audio from his workstation the session would stream high quality audio into these headphones. And I would sort of listen and be like, Oh, like, let's bring this up a little bit. And instead of sending notes back to each other, we would just sort of mix in real time together. Oh, that's cool. Um, and that was really, I know a lot of bands did that during the pandemic when they didn't were able to meet up, but, um, yeah, it was super collaborative down to the mixing process and, and, uh, it was, it was a great balance. I think of, of, uh, those two things, like I said,
0: amazing, amazing. That's it's cool too to hear that. Like you know, this is probably something you'll do moving forward. I'd imagine like being able to mix in this way, just because yeah. if you already know the person you've worked with them, it's like, well, what am I going to drive all the way down here? We're going to build the studio. We're going to blah blah blah. When you could just be like, I can hear you. You can. We'll we'll go over this together yeah. real quick. I like guess yeah. way more efficient.
1: <laughs> of course, and, and I mean props to Kev to to Kevin Billingsley. Cause I think not a lot of producers are open to that. Like artists mm-hmm. are coming in and being like, Hey man, like let's, let's do this different, completely different. Or like, here's my perspective. And it can, it definitely requires a lot of trust mm-hmm. because, you know, mixing is weird. It's a, it's like music. It's a, there's a right way quote unquote to do it, but it's also subjective. And like some people like the vocal super loud, some like them a little bit more drowned out. Some people like the drums really up front in the mix. Others don't. So when you're having that battle of like, no, the drums are too loud. It's like, well, what does that even mean? subjectively. Yes. But you know, so you have to have someone that you're really in tune with. And I think that really trusts you and you trust them that we're just not trying to sort of push our own preference, but more like what's best for the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was definitely a challenge, but like a really cool exercise.
0: I love it. I love it, man. Well, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, uh, this me. has been great, Chad. Um, and the record "Heal My Head" is it comes out what the beginning of next month, third or something? Yeah, June
1: third. June third.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Are you doing a tour to support it yet, or uh, uh, yeah, any? Okay.
1: Uh, some stuff in the summer, but uh, we're hoping to hit the road soon.
0: Amazing, amazing. And well, just off a random question: uh, well, how long have you been living in Canada? Like, when did you move up there?
1: Uh, July of last year. So nearing in on a year almost.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Very yeah, cool. Very, very a lot cool. Of fun.
1: I'm up in Montreal. so
0: Awesome. Awesome. So uh, my last question for you is uh, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists.
1: Yeah. Let's say nothing out of the, the ordinary, but f- focus on finding your voice and not sort of your vocal voice, but what makes your sound unique. Um, don't be ashamed of your influences. I think for a lot of time, to- a long time, I, I, when I got out of the Christian metal core world or all that stuff, or even just my identity as a Christian, I spent a lot of time trying to like hide that or like, no, no, I'm like not there anymore. But only recently I was like, that's part of who I am for better or for worse, whether I agree with it or I'm proud of it or not, that is part of what makes my story unique and the intersections of musical influences, so just own own where you came from. Own the influences that you love. Own the things that make your sound unique and that make your life unique and live that out.